0: contact tracing to fight pandemics. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Chester Wisniewski, Principal Research Scientist at Sophos. Welcome, Chester.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Give us a brief summary of your cybersecurity background and tell us about the work that you do at Sophos.
1: Sure. Um, I started kind of hacking with bulletin boards and modems and things back in the 1980s and was kind of fascinated with how insecure everything was and was a bit surprised by all of that. And uh, Unfortunately, when when the 90s came along and I was ready to start my career, nobody seemed to really care about security outside of government and military. So I did some general IT work until the the late 90s when everybody's websites start getting hacked and there was suddenly a need for people like me that had a bit of passion about computer security. And now I've been doing research at Sophos for a little over 17 years that I've been with Sophos. And obviously we uh, are a pretty, a big security company in the space. And my role is kind of to work with all of our detailed researchers and sort of extract the big picture from the lots of little things that are going on in our research labs all over the world.
0: Let's get to it. Contact tracing apps have been widely praised as a solution for tracking and diminishing the spread of COVID-19. Start by explaining what data is most valuable uh, to informing health officials' decision-making.
1: Well, I'm not an epidemiologist, but my understanding uh, in looking into these apps for the last few weeks uh, and and some of the experiments, if you want want to call them that, that have been going on, like uh, the UK is testing their app right now in the Isle of Wight, and Australia has had an app out there for a little while. Uh, Some other European countries have also uh, put out some apps uh, using various technologies. And one of the biggest things it looks like health uh, officials are looking for is to identify hotspots or flare-ups that... Uh, they can identify more quickly. There may be multiple reasons for that. They may want to uh, move medical staff into those areas to be ready for a a resurgence in a hospital where they need to improve treatment. Uh, It might be so they can do more contact tracing within that area to identify how the spread is occurring. Uh, Maybe there's someone who's asymptomatic and doesn't know they're sick, that's spreading it and hurting others. So a lot of it has a tendency to be as an assisting tool to other things that are going on like positioning medical supplies, medical personnel, and also assisting the manual contact tracing process that most uh, are engaged in now.
0: Tell us about Apple and Google's contact tracing technology and why the Venn diagrams don't overlap.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting to me because uh, to be fair to Apple and Google, the, the proposed API that they released last week Uh, is one of the the most privacy-preserving ways you could go about this. So I know that was their goal, and I think they achieved that goal, and it is incredibly uh, privacy-centric, if you want to call it that. Uh, And that comes with pros and cons, and uh, the challenges with that uh, on the bad side are that information I just talked about that public health officials want, they don't get if you use this system. Uh, The system is entirely private, and what happens is your device is gathering up the IDs of all the other devices uh, that it can see over Bluetooth and it keeps those IDs local to your phone and never shares them with the the cloud and that's part of the privacy preserving nature of it. And then if you are sick and maybe you test positive or maybe you're symptomatic and your health officials tell you that you should self-report, you can press a button in that app and what happens is you upload all of your anonymous IDs to the cloud because you're giving consent to Apple and Google to then uh, make those available to to other people using the app. your, your app is generating a new code you know, uh, every 15 minutes on your device to anonymize itself and, and broadcasting that out that other people are picking up. And then if you're sick, you take all of your anonymous IDs from the last 14 days that you've been broadcasting, you upload those into uh, Google's cloud, and then every other person using the app downloads that list every day and checks their devices they were in contact with to see if your ID was on the list of people they were in contact with. So there's no central authority that ever knows who is in contact with whom. Every device checks for itself. That's really great when it comes to privacy. But the other negative of that is it's a lot of data. And so I was doing some of the math and uh, a, a couple of weeks ago when I started looking into this API that particular day, there were 76,000 new COVID cases worldwide that day, uh, a large majority of those being in the United States and Brazil. and 76,000 people's data is around 30 megabytes of data to download if all those people self-reported in using Google and Apple's API. So you start adding that up and it turns out that's more than a gigabyte a month of data that you'd be downloading just for this one app. And for many people that would be uh, a reason they may not load it because uh, it's going to hurt their data caps. So there's a lot of moving parts with this stuff. And so I think a government that is going to adopt Google's and Apple's API to get good, um, uh, penetration of the device is functioning well, because that's the, the key to using their APIs, uh, I think would need to work with their cell phone carriers to zero rate that data, because of, I think it would be a big turnoff for a lot of people to, to consume half or a third of their data plan for the month uh, just by using a COVID app.
0: What about Bluetooth? How could Bluetooth data help if, if it were allowed?
1: Well, this is the challenge. You can't do Bluetooth effectively on iPhone unless you use Apple's API. And so that means people that the existing apps that don't use Apple's API uh, are not really working well on iPhones. And in Western countries, obviously, we have lots of iPhones. Bluetooth in and of itself, of course, is a big challenge. Uh, I'm standing uh, in front of this camera in a condo in a very high, uh, densely packed area of a city just outside of a window overlooking a sidewalk. If I were running one of these apps right now, I would likely have a lot of false positives from the people who stop outside that window to have a cigarette where they're out there for 15 minutes or more, and my app would potentially detect them as being within two meters of me. Uh, I also um, can, there's a television on the other side of this wall next to me that belongs to my neighbor, and I can see the Bluetooth from that all the time when I'm going to connect up to my headphones or whatever. I see the Samsung TV that's right here. So if my neighbor's sitting on the other side of the wall, we're not in contact, but we're still gonna be in contact. And of course, radio waves are not predictable. Um, uh, the, the air is a... a, a a difficult medium, especially things like the human body. I mean, we're just really big, wet sacks of meat, human bodies are, and they block radio waves really, really well, right? So if you go with your iPhone in your back pocket and you go strolling down the street, and I'm in front of you, I'm not gonna pick up your Bluetooth signal at all because your meat is blocking that radio from going through your body, right? Whereas if you're holding your phone out in front of you, people behind you are probably not gonna detect your beacon either. So this is a very imperfect technology, Uh, And I think what we all have to keep in mind is the use of this is meant to be an assistance to other things that we're doing. Um, The idea that a contact tracer would ask you who you've been in contact with, you won't know the strangers you might have been in contact with at the supermarket or Costco or something, right? So this helps with that problem, but it doesn't help notify everyone that you may have been in contact with simply because of not everyone loading the app and a lot of complexities with radio.
0: So besides being a big sack of meat, is, is there a role for humans in, the contact tra- in contact tracing?
1: Absolutely, I mean, I, I, I think it's critical and, I, and everybody seems to be ramping up depending on which country you're in uh, and how bad the crisis has been. Obviously that will require different amounts of resources but I, I think the app combined with human intelligence uh, is an ideal situation. I'm, I'm disappointed that the app's not going to be able to provide public health authorities with the information they need to identify hotspots. I think that's a real flaw with Apple and Google's system. Uh, it's a challenge because they don't want this to become an authoritarian tracing tool that tracks you around either. So there's, there's some balance somewhere in the middle there. Uh, but even, even the privacy preserving Apple Google way, combined with human tracers, I think will make an important difference in um, potentially notifying those anonymous strangers you don't know, while the contract tracers can maybe identify the people that you do know and know the patterns of. Uh, and put those two things together is a pretty good thing. Uh, you know, I, I, I almost see this in this bad economy. There's a lot of people who are unemployed with a phone. So it seems like you could train those people to be contact tracers. And, uh, you know, I almost think of it like a works progress administration project. We need, we've got hundreds of thousands of people out of work and we need hundreds of thousands of contact tracers. Let's take advantage of that and use that, uh, uh, that those jobs to help get the economy rolling.
0: Is it possible to achieve an acceptable balance between data gathering, tracking, and privacy in, uh, in contact tracing?
1: It all comes down to trust, because um, I think you need a reasonably high number of people using these apps, so you have to maintain trust. The UK's approach to me so far seems to be the best, but the problem they're having is it doesn't work on their iPhones. <laughs> Um, because it's, uh, it's not as private as Apple wants them to be. Uh, what they do in the UK is they gather the first half uh, of your postal code, which um, depending on which country and those things work differently, here in Canada and UK and, and uh, some other countries, that part of your postal code would be the equivalent of maybe your neighborhood or uh, county, for example. So it's not your house, but it, it's, uh, it's probably narrower than a zip code is in the United States. And that's where they're drawing the line of, you know they're not asking for your phone number, they're not asking for who you are, they are asking you to share your beginning of your postcode so they can at least have an idea where they're having flare-ups. And that seemed to be a nice approach, in my opinion. Uh, The challenge with that is it's possible to de-anonymize people. And and as long as that's true, some people aren't going to trust it. The other issue is the uh, security aspect of the UK's app was done by the GCHQ, which is their equivalent of the NSA in the the UK. And a lot of people are just like, oh, if GCHQ is involved, it's the spies. They're definitely tracking us and people are afraid to load it. And uh, I personally don't necessarily believe that, but, but that's all part of this game. This is as much social as it is technical. We can talk about Bluetooth all day long and whether it's going to have false positives and false negatives. The thing is, to this, for this to succeed, we need a lot of people to use it, which means they have to have faith and trust that their data is going to be kept private and secure. Um, Apple and Google have gone to the extreme on that to ensure that. So I think that gives people a lot of confidence. But on the other hand, then that doesn't help public health authorities as much. And I think every country is going to have to have that conversation to decide how they want to proceed.
0: Thanks so much for joining us, Chester. That's Chester Wisniewski, Principal Research Scientist at Sophos. If somebody wants to connect with you, Chester, maybe they want to find out more about this. How can they do that?
1: Uh, please reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Chet uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn. If you put in Chester and Sophos, you shouldn't have any trouble.
0: All right. Thanks again, Chester. And find more of my interviews right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.